We have to go back! Hello everyone and welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And today we're reviewing a movie that uh, is very special because once in a while there's a movie that is released that reminds you that Reese's Pieces exist. We are reviewing the 1982 movie E.T.The Extra Dash Terrestrial. So much punctuation. Yeah, if someone were to ask us to tell you the title of the movie uh, prior to us reviewing it, I would tell you that there's probably not that much punctuation. Fun fact, right off the bat, you mentioned Reese's Pieces. Uh, Reese's Pieces is a great candy to see in a film, but is not a great candy to eat in a film. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it is a messy treat. It is messy and is loud. I remember I ate it while I watched AI in theaters. Another abbreviated, heavily punctuated title. With Steven Spielberg. With Steven Spielberg. He certainly has a type. (laughs) And the person next to me was like, uh, I'm sorry, like it's in my head. You think it's loud? Imagine how it sounds radiating up my jawbone. They were out of Butterfingers, okay? That's why I just get Junior Mints now. (laughs) The silent snack. This podcast brought to you apart by Junior Mints. Uh, so we are reviewing this movie because the movie Ken is hitting theaters, all about a kid discovering alien technology, and, you know, E.T. fits somewhere in that Venn diagram, that very specific Venn diagram. That Ken diagram. Ho Perfect. Mm. Now, if it's been a while since you've seen E.T., I'll give you a little synopsis. Uh, so you remember how in Home Alone... Um, a kid was left behind, and then these attackers came and attacked them. Oh, yeah. It's a lot like that, except Kevin's an alien. And you remember how in Home Alone there's a guy that you're scared of for half the movie, then you realize he's actually kind of nice? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, the real synopsis is after a gentle alien becomes stranded on Earth, uh, the being is discovered and befriended by a young boy named Elliot Bringing the extraterrestrial into his suburban California home, Elliot introduces E.T. as the alien is dubbed to his brother and little sister, and the children decide to keep his existence a secret. But soon after, E.T. falls ill, resulting in government intervention and a dire situation for both Elliot and the alien. Mm. Well synopsisized, Ricky. Thank you. I googled it myself. (laughs) Now, a movie like this can only be created... Uh, from the wonderful mind of Steven Spielberg while he's being completely bored by another movie that he's making at the same time. Interesting. Uh, E.T. was conceptualized when Steven Spielberg was filming Raiders of the Lost Ark, and he was, like, super bored. <laughs> and so he started daydreaming about his childhood. And Did he see the same Raiders <laughs> of the Lost Ark, though? Because, like, faces melt off in that movie. Well, it was... Just- It was specifically when he was in uh, Tunisia. Um, Oh, yeah. The Tunisian segments do drag on. Yeah. So he's like, oh, man, remember childhood? So, uh... (laughs) (laughs) Steven, we're rolling. Uh, So Steven Spielberg's uh, in his childhood, um, he after his parents divorce, uh, he created an imaginary alien friend. Uh, And to quote Steven Spielberg, he said his imaginary 
his imaginary alien friend was a friend who would be the brother that he never had and a father that he didn't feel he had anymore. Uh, And so the original concept for the movie was the story of a family that was terrorized in their home by aliens, um, but then decided to go with the family-friendly route. But because Steven Spielberg wastes no ideas, that idea of a family being terrorized by something later became Poltergeist uh, and came out the same year. Actually, they were supposed to be like a, you know, a suburban fantasy versus a suburban nightmare. The weird thing is there's more ghosts in this movie than in Poltergeist. <laughs> you know what? You're right. And um, and so this also was a, a combination of an idea to make a Close Encounters of the Third Kind sequel. Mm. And, uh, mm. and so on that Ken diagram, right in the middle <laughs> of Poltergeist and Close Encounters of the Third Kind, you get... E.T. Now, this movie was made for what I now will refer to as a Muppet-sized budget of $10 million uh, and made $792 million. Wow. Yeah. That is why he has so many parking structures named after him (laughs) at Universal Studios. E.T. 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 Where did I park? (laughs) Now, just in case you're wondering uh, if Steven Spielberg is ever worried about competing against himself, he's not. Uh, E.T. was an immediate blockbuster surpassing Star Wars to become the highest grossing film of all time, specifically Star Wars A New Hope. Uh, And it held that record for 11 years until Jurassic Park, another Steven Spielberg directing film. Uh, And then the re-release of Star Wars A New Hope came out in 96 and surpassed both of them. So, you know, it's just, it's nice to be Steven Spielberg's mailbox because it just gets every check. <laughs> Feed me. <laughs> now, Grayson, mm-hmm. I talked to my guy. Oh, oh, how's he doing, by the way? He's great. Um, nice. I like him. Um, <laughs> so, the film sold over 15 million VHS tapes uh, in the United States. Earning Universal Studios a profit, a profit of $175 million. And the VHS was rented over 6 million times during the first two weeks in 1988. That's insane. And that's why they put the bike going over the moon in every Amblin picture. Yeah, and fun fact, Amblin is the name of Steven Spielberg's first short film that he ever made. Uh, and then E.T., you know, did everything else. Wow. And the crazy thing is Amblin backwards spells Steven Spielberg. <laughs> so that is kind of uh, the background and history uh, that went into E.T. There's, you know, tons of stuff. It's like one of the biggest films ever made. Uh, so, but those were some of the key points of history. Now, before we go into kind of our reactions and kind of what we noticed this time around, I do want to share with you a couple of fun facts. Now, I'm sure you already know this, uh, but originally in the novelization, it is M&M's that E.T. is trailed or breadcrumbed to um, Elliot's home. 
instead of Reese's Pieces. Uh, oh. But Eminem said, uh, no, we don't like making money. I'm paraphrasing. I've heard that, yeah. Uh, um, but the irony is that they felt that the movie was too audience alienating. <gasps> oh. He did it! Eggshell on their face! Oh, um, yeah. And so Reese's Pieces were used, and Reese's Pieces made bank. Their sales went up 67% that year. Because wow. when you make a move, when you make ET, you say yes to every drop of product placement. Yeah, I, I wrote down in my notes, like, wow, Reese's Pieces, you cannot buy that kind of advertising. And then I scratched it out and realized, yes, you can, and they did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, Jelly Bellies is just upset in a corner somewhere. It's just like, that could have been us. Nobody asked us. <laughs> We're the silent snack. <laughs> this Junior Mints and you know it. Uh, so the doctors in the film that are like operating or kind of monitoring E.T. and Elliot are mm-hmm. real doctors. Oh. Uh, Steven Spielberg hired them because he thought it was necessary and would actually help production go along quicker uh if doctors were just spouting out you know rapid doctor terminology off the cuff because instead of like having to write doctor stuff you can just pull a scrubs and just say uh janitor says things and (laughs) just like let them do their job just like say doctor stuff i know uh, to add to the fun facts that there was a couple different versions that were released after the fact um, some people had issue with the, the the police in the chase. They have guns when they're chasing the kids, and there was another cut where they replaced the guns with walkie talkies instead. Uh, and then there's an, even another version where they like CGI'd ET. They pulled a Star Wars re-release and they just Jabba the Hutted that entire thing. Uh, but when you like watch it on Hulu and other streaming platforms, uh, most of the time it is the original version yeah. uh, and i think the puppetry adds to the charm to be honest absolutely yeah and that happened with the uh, 2002 re-release and even steven spielberg insists that you watch the original version yeah. um it was early in the technology around the same time that george lucas was making choices that people definitely have feelings about um mm-hmm. they were it's an, it was a new era so they're like hey we have new technology that we can like touch up our old stuff why not yeah. but we are way more forgiving of steven spielberg than we are of george lucas <laughs> apparently uh like yeah. ah steven you gotta stop all your head hey, you got it man he only did it, it once that's uh, cool <laughs> uh but yeah i and i watched some of it side by side and it was it was weird. I'm glad I got to see this version mm-hmm. um, instead of the other one. And um, I, I think yeah. it was great. It is odd when you see such an iconic character become some different form. It's even weirder when you see them go from like a puppet to CG back to puppet <laughs> a la Yoda. What? Yeah. Did he like grow out of his CG-ness? Mm-hmm. How it, does that work? It's a molten. It's like he molted out. And then back in. Back in. And then you see him again. You're like, whoa, Yoda looked like a potato. (laughs) I forgot. And last fun fact I have is uh, E.T.'s communicator actually worked. 
excuse me? Uh, yeah, constructed by Henry Feinberg, an expert in science and technology interpretation for the public. Dude made a working communicator out of toys, so... Oh. I've been wasting a lot of years not trying to uh, connect with aliens. <laughs> so, aliens, if you're listening to the podcast, welcome. Hope that you've enjoyed our movie selection, or I should say historical archives. And our plants. <laughs> Go ahead. Take them. Have at we'll it. We'll grow more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Steven Spielberg actually shot the movie in chronological order so that the kids' responses to E.T. Uh, were as authentic as they could be. So, they, the, like, Drew Barrymore's first reaction to E.T. is <laughs> authentic. It was the first time that she saw him, and she just screamed. Um, and then in yeah. E.T.'s, like, basically death scene, like... They traumatized Drew Barrymore, and she was, like, really sobbing and very sad and very good at acting. I was just like, wow, that kid, that kid should act some more. Good <laughs> should kid. Stick with it, kid. <laughs> stick with it. I can speak from experience that that is how you react when confronted with a full-size E.T., because my grandmother had a full-size replica of E.T. in her house. No way. Um, sometimes it was in the garden. Sometimes it was inside. Always scared me. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, I mean, because it's an alien. And you don't expect to, you know, see an extraterrestrial at grandma's. Wait, I got an idea. Got to go write it down. <laughs> uh, okay, so now we're going to need to go into our reactions. So, Grayson... Uh, yeah. You have a personal history to this movie. Tell me all about it. Uh, I mean, it's been a while since I've seen this movie. Uh, a, a long time. And I honestly did not remember a good chunk of the last half of it. I, you remember the bike scene uh, just because it is. that's the thing. This movie felt like every scene was iconic. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't remember a lot of the details around it. Like... Um, I didn't remember the reveal of the key guy or anything like that. Um, but I remembered the overall themes to it. And I, I'm so glad I rewatched it. it. It was kind of the feeling of like, I thought I knew E.T. And then you rewatch it and you're like, oh, this is so much deeper than I remember. I remember it being like a fun chase movie whenever, because like it's the coolest bike chase scene in any movie like that's the kind of stuff i remember but the emotionality behind it is just off the charts maybe one of the greatest death morning scenes that we've seen on the entire run of the show elliot acted his heart out in this and then that heart grew to glow in the chest of another uh it was really just a, a moving experience to rewatch it i did not remember how strong the dialogue was there are some really funny and really just devastatingly sad lines like i'm not going to do a full quote corner for it but maybe the the hardest hitting line is during that death scene when elliot says you must be dead because i don't know how to feel and it's like oh my goodness like you see the connection between them but to be able to have a character articulate it in a way that doesn't play cheesy it doesn't play fake it doesn't even play like like a like a forced child actor moment or anything like that the maturity in the performances all the way through just uh i I was astounded and i think when i watched it as a kid you can't really appreciate that because you're like oh that's just another kid 
but to like be an adult and look back on it and be like, wow, this is a crazy talented cast. Man, so this was actually my first time ever watching E.T. That is um, a crime, Ricky. It is a crime. Um, you must have been so lost at Universal Studios. I didn't know where I was parked. I'm like, who is that? You were over in the Jurassic parking lot, which <laughs> outperforms E.T. <laughs> on an annual basis. Uh, I I had never seen this movie like all the way through, but I grew up watching Animaniacs and Freakazoid and Tiny Toon Adventures. So... In a lot of ways, I have seen a lot of E.T. I remember like one of the first episodes of Freakazoid is just them almost doing a complete homage to E.T., but just with this just idiot alien who's just constantly <laughs> having to be like just it's just it's like it's, it's doing the whole E.T. parody and it's a Steven Spielberg project. So, you know, there's that. Uh but this is my first time actually watching this film beginning to end, and I just have to say, all the wasted years. All mm. the wasted years, the wasted tears. Um, I could have been crying so many more times. The wasted gears. You probably would have like cycled more I had you known re- that mean, would, biking could be so cool. I would own a bike, Grayson. I would wow. actually own a bike had I seen this movie earlier. Now mm. I, I got to save up for a bike. Yeah. It's too late for me. Uh, but seriously, this <laughs> this movie was so good. And I think the thing I wasn't expecting was how this movie would be that coming-of-age story. I thought it was just like an alien movie. Um, I, I, th- I, I, I compare this movie to Air Bud a lot, which I feel like not many people do. Because um, of the Golden Retriever. Yeah. <laughs> So Harvey. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, headcanon. Uh, so I, I just really do think that uh, both movies are on surface level kind of seen for like, oh, it's that alien movie. The boy finds the alien and does alien stuff, whatever. Um, people probably think the same thing about Airbud, but you actually see, oh, no, it's about the relationships. Um, and it's 100% about the relationships. Without the relationships – there's nothing and the emotional resonance that this puppet has on me is i don't know how they do it but puppets make me feel things that i didn't know puppets could make me feel yeah et when et was like found like lying in the ditch i gasped i was like oh no i didn't they don't show this in the trailers for et showing on tbs they don't they they just show the bike riding i i was just like when are we gonna get to the bike riding thing i'm just like watching the whole movie i'm like i'm pretty sure there's more like bike flying happening people come to see spaceships but they remember the relationships Oh. oh yeah wow put that on a poster and hang it in an elementary school library (laughs) head cannon Phone home. Okay, it's not the best headcanon intro, but headcanon is a part of the show where we share a few unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the film. Uh, So, Grayson, before I go into actual headcanon, I'm just going to let you know what has been established uh, in the E.T. canon and what would have been in the E.T. canon. Uh, Uh, Oh, great. If it encroaches on my headcanon, I'm going to (laughs) cry. 
So after you make millions of dollars, oftentimes what follows is a sequel. So the film screenwriter Melissa uh, Matheson and Steven Spielberg worked together to write up a sequel called E.T. 2 Back in the Basket. Um, it wasn't E.T. 2 Judgment Day? Oh, no. <laughs> that, that would be great, though. They come back and they're like, oh, we were all horticulturalists. No, we brought our military. You guys are the worst. You put me in a box. Uh, it was called ET2 District 10, finally. Uh, but no, it's called ET2 colon Nocturnal Fears, where an evil group of ET's people would come to Earth looking for him and torture Elliot and his family for information. Oops. Yeah. And it would also establish that E.T.'s real name was Zrek. Gotta say, don't love it. <laughs> Hashtag, why no sequel? Hashtag, I'm okay with it now. Yeah, yeah. And basically, they said, hmm, no. <laughs> we'll just keep on re-releasing this movie, and Steven Spielberg's mailbox can be the happiest mailbox on the block. Yeah, we got plenty of parking structures. Thank you very much. <laughs> which I really think a sequel would have really undercut this movie in a lot of ways, yeah. which I'm glad that they only did one movie. Uh, so there's that little factoid for you. That's what could have been. Um, there's also the uh, bit of information that uh, E.T. had a love interest in Elliot's mom. Uh, that was a deleted scene. As oh, no. <laughs> and Harrison Ford actually filmed some scenes as Elliot's principal. Oh, crazy. Because he was bored of Raiders of the Lost Ark as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's also an um, adjunct uh, professor at the high school. In addition oh, got to being, it. Yeah. You know, Dr. Jones. I see. <laughs> we have a guest speaker today, Dr. Jones. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but that was deleted because uh, Steven Spielberg felt that his presence in the film would be too distracting. People would be like, oh, forget about this alien. Harrison Ford's here today. Yeah, and it'd be tough for Harrison Ford if every movie he did ultimately landed on <laughs> him and aliens. Oh, yeah. I really just shared all that information just to get the headcanon out of this movie and Indiana Jones. So great. now that that's done, Grayson, what is your headcanon? All right. So my headcanon for E.T. is that the E.T. alien race is actually uh, the descendants of the human race in the distant future. So what they are are what humans become. Mm. Uh, You think about it with our technological and transportation advances. We don't need to walk as much. The legs eventually evolve out. You just have these like little feet to walk around. The arms stay the same so you can like reach stuff. Um, as we become a species of information, we absorb more. Our brains naturally grow larger, and the the skull shape develops. All that all that stuff. So that's like the physical manifestation. And just over time, we get that sixth genetic DNA, whatever the real doctors were saying, the real <laughs> doctors of alien autopsies, mm-hmm. and we then like develop all of these. Um, telekinetic powers because of the enhanced uh, mental abilities. So we've developed space travel. We basically ran this planet into the ground. We have to go inhabit a, a distant planet. But 
like what typically happens when we go to a distant planet, vegetation is a problem. So that is why the ET human descendants have come back to Earth, uh, back through space and time to collect uh, these plant samples so they can basically replicate Earth elsewhere in the galaxy billions of years from now. Um, They come back. One of them gets left behind. The reason they have to leave them behind is because with the the lack of vegetation, they are basically the last of their kind. That's why they don't go out to help. They can't risk anybody else being lost. They just, it seems really cold, but they're like, it's better to lose one than to go extinct, basically, which is why they have to, to seal it up and leave E.T. there. Where this becomes less about, you know, global universal expansion and all that and i do mean universal expansion have you seen the parking garages (laughs) i want to make this more personal of a story because et is a very personal story i don't think it's an accident that et goes to elliot's house i think they have historical records and that et is the direct descendant of elliot i mean even think of his name E.T. is the first and last letter of Elliot. Elliot is the first and E.T. is the last. So it is this generation upon generation upon generation of lineage. And E.T. is confronting his ancestors. Uh, That's also why they have such a physiological connection as well. And they... They definitely lean into the fact that, like, because E.T. is sick, Elliot is sick... I think you can reverse that and it still makes sense of like Elliot is getting sick and could die. And if he dies, E.T. is never born. So I don't think it's I think it is a very much a shared thing. I think he's playing Johnny B. Good and his hand is evaporating. <laughs> wow. Uh, so, yeah, that's basically it. They are E.T. is the descendant of Elliot. Wow. I mean, what I mean, that is phenomenal and hard to dispute i like it now uh my headcanon uh has less to do uh with lineage um but more to do with alien life uh and how it connects to other stories uh i now understand iron giant more after watching et um and i also believe that the government was Hot on E.T.'s trail. Hot on it. They said, oh, they were like we saw Key's guy at the very beginning. They saw an alien spaceship land. They were looking for um, like more information. And it's because this isn't the first alien landing. Um, yeah. And I brought up Iron Giant because I believe it happens in the same world as Iron Giant. Uh, same timeline, and I think it goes on to exist in the world of uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, well, naturally, because we know Iron Giant exists in that world. Oh, yes. Now, yeah. this uh, this largely has to do with the rainbow oh. that is left behind. Mm-hmm. Grayson, where else does a rainbow show up in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? The Bible. <laughs> you are You are correct. Mm-hmm. You are correct. Um, yeah. Additionally, Thor, the Bifrost. Oh, the Bifrost. <laughs> the Bible Frost. Um, oh, yeah, you didn't let me finish. 
uh, yeah, the Bifrost is, uh, you know, that, that's the way that Thor gets to Midgard. And elsewhere, same thing happening with the E.T. alien race. And so that's how it connects with Iron Giant, MCU, and E.T. Interesting. I like that. And I think you can you could definitely connect it uh, one step more with Iron Giant because Keyes says, I know the real, like, he came to me when I was 10. So if that's Hogarth. Oh, my gosh. That means that Keys is Gazer Beam <laughs> from La Incredibles. Keys is Gazer Beam. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, this is great. I love it. Oh, that's so good. Man, that's great. That headcanon was almost as good as a box of Junior Mints. <laughs> Mm-mm, please be a sponsor. <laughs> All right, now we're going to go into the part of the show where we like to talk about recast and remakes. Recast, remake. If this movie were to be remade today, who would you cast and what would the storyline be? Now, I'm just going to stop you right there, longtime podcast listener. Mm -hmm. Season one, Luke from Modern Family. Yeah, okay. Is not going to be our Elliot. Oh. He's not. Okay. I just need to say it right up front. It's great. He's going to be our E.T. See, the <laughs> remake is a human crash lands on this alien planet. And he gets left behind. And his family is like, oh, we got to go back to the studio. He's like, what? And then all the aliens tried to hide him. Wasn't that an animated movie with The Rock called, like, Planet 99 or? 51. 51. You know what? That makes a lot of sense and is very clever. I get it. Nice. But other than that, um, I I think we would obviously cast Andy Serkis as E.T. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. He's the guy. Um, and honestly, I think that um, an Elliot character would be... I don't know if you guys have ever seen Raven's Home, uh, the revival of the That's a Raven TV show. Raven's grown up and has kids. What? Yeah, it's a great show. Uh, that was The View. You were watching The View, Ricky. <laughs> I was watching The View. I just turn on TV. I'm like, this is obviously that reboot. So uh, Raven's best friend, Chelsea, has a son. Um, he, and the show, his name is Levi. The actor's name is Jason Maybaum. And this kid is amazingly talented. Uh, if you look him up, you'll see him and you'll be like, yeah, that's Elliot. Uh, I, I would cast him specifically and, um, and because the stranger thing kids, uh, they're doing their own thing, but I would, I would cast, uh, Jason Maybaum. Nice. Um, I would cast Hugo from Hugo, not Hugo from Lost. Uh, Hugo Weaving? Uh, not Hugo Weaving from Hugo Weaving's life, but Hugo from Hugo. Oh, Asa Butterfield. Excuse me? (laughs) And for Elliot's mom, just Drew Barrymore. That would be really cool. Uh, do you have any other uh, casting? No, I mean, for the remake side of it, I um, I really just would want the same movie done in the style of, like, the way they updated it. Uh, but the ending, you know, E.T. just 
District 9's Elliot. <laughs> I will be back at bringing friends. Angry friends. Yeah, and he's like, I'll be right here. And then, like, Elliot just full-on becomes an E.T. <laughs> Everyone's screaming, the dog's barking, the plants are dying. All the lights go out in the city. One of us. Bill Pullman's like, on this day. (laughs) All right, now we're going to go into our final segment, which is the segment where we give you our reasons to recommend. So, Grayson, why would you recommend people E.T. watch home again? (laughs) Sounded way better and more clever in my brain. But, you know, why'd you recommend it? I recommend E.T. because it really is uh, one of the defining core Spielberg films. Like, if you want to understand directors, each of them have, like, a handful of films that you you should see. And for Spielberg... This, this is the one. There's a reason that this is at the beginning of the Amblin films. Like, uh, it's something that I know was very personal to him and by extension was personal to the audience. And I do think it grows with the audience. Like, I got something different out of it when I was a kid uh, than I get now. And it's still just super impactful. Uh, E.T. also is one of those films that gets parodied so much. Like, if you watch E.T. and then watch Stranger Things, you're like, look at the influence this has had. But when you think of iconic films, this this is up there. So I'm glad we did it. To me, this felt like when we were doing, like, Wizard of Oz or something that important. And I, th- I believe it's because it respects the audience and it respects the subject matter. And that is why it has stood the test of time. Yeah, I'd recommend E.T., especially coming from my background of, like, not seeing it previously, but seeing it show up in pop culture, because this movie has just so much heart, Um, and... Yeah, you can see it. You can see it, like, literally. Uh, And it's so interesting to see that certain genres aren't done with. You know, I feel like we have seen... Uh, a lot of alien movies uh, from the horror or like w- w- these weird things that we are this unknown kind of uh, like perspective and then seeing E.T. kind of take that on the other end of the pendulum really shows you that like, man, like there's there's so much heart and story to be told with the sci fi genre as much as it is to like thrill uh, or scare, you know, and this movie really is fun if you've ever been a kid who has wanted a pet uh i really i mean i compare this movie to airbud uh probably too much but like it's in the same vein as airbud and i mean that as like the highest compliment because on the surface level you think you know what you're expecting uh but then the movie slam dunks its way into your heart. <laughs> and mm. that's how I describe E.T. And that's why I'd recommend it. It's fun. It's heartfelt. And it's so amazing what they did in 1982 with these, like just the, most of these effects are practical visual effects. Like, like the flying of course was done um, with uh, a VFX, but like by dropping them out of a helicopter. <laughs> Yes. Obviously, they just got a right angle on the ramp and they just said, 
We're going to do that zero gravity thing in that OK Go video in the future, but we're going to do that now. Um, but like they, they accomplish so much, and they tell you such a tight story with not only great dialogue, but surprisingly little dialogue. There are several scenes in this movie where people don't say anything. You just get yeah. sound cues. Hearing that guy's keys, I'm just like, first off, dude, mm. put those keys in your pocket. But also, like, you... You only have a sound cue to know where this guy is, and it really does give you this ominous feeling. You're like, oh, no, I hope yeah. that, that, that they never hear those keys. So my condensed version for recommendation is, like, it's a good movie. It's the friendly alien movie that any other friendly species movie has based itself off of, and it is heartwarming fun funny and very sweet and yeah. definitely something to phone home about oh that's good that's real good ricky let me put it this way <laughs> i watched this as an hbo extension to my hulu account and hulu kept trying to get me to watch mighty joe young after i finished this so if you're a fan of mighty <laughs> joe young check out et that's high praise. And in the end, he truly was E.T., the extraterrestrial. That's our review. Let us know what you remember about E.T. on Twitter. We are at Flashback Flicks. If you have a hard time finding us, we are just follow the trail of Reese's Pieces. Uh, and if we might run out and use Jelly Bellies. But, you know, that's... That's to our Twitter. That's that's the one that will be doing it. Yes, but we would never discard a fine candy like Junior Mints upon the the ground. Also, that guy <laughs> ate forest candy. <laughs> what is he doing on the ground? Uh, what is this? He didn't know. Let me see. It looks uh, like it's uh, chomp, 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 chomp. Yep, Reese's Pieces. He's like, what are these uh, Halloween themed M and M's? Oh no, that's peanut butter. Oh goodness. <gasps> Oh, it could have been anything. And on a scale of one to five bike chases, uh, how would you rate hmm. this podcast? Five being the best because bikes, and one being all right, but, you know, not five. Five bikes. Five bikes. And be sure to tune in next time right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be kind and rewind. Next time on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. We review none other than Sister Act. Ricky, haven't we already done Sister Act 2 back in the habit? We sure have, but now we're doing a prequel to that in honor of The Nun. Hashtag none your business. <laughs>